way too many stories of you, you know, acknowledging people's greatness by beating you. Well, let's talk about that. No, hold on. This is the second. The second part is if the criteria for being an All-American is driving you 11 yards. There would be a lot more All-Americans coming out. That's crazy. Would you be an All-American? Probably not. I would probably got you eight yards. That's the A, the fans though, for real. Um, you know, we, we're allowed to make fun of his, you know, football career and such like that. Y'all really can't because you most of you never played at that level that no. Aeneas has practiced on it. That's good. That was your best work yet, actually. Fogo de Chao. And Fogo, oh man. You can't forget about Fogo, especially this year. In they Atlanta. got nervous in there. Yeah, no, I mean, when they saw all of us walk in, I mean. They stopped bringing the food around. <laughs> yeah. We got to yeah. a point. Yeah. Yeah. You know yeah. how, at, like, Fogo, you know, when you want to stop, you know, you turn the little circle thing and you right. put it to red. Uh-huh. Like, it kept us at green and they, they just stopped themselves, you know. They, they, they made up, yeah, they made up their minds that we were done, so I mean. <laughs> Right, everybody big news coming out of the lion's den podcast we officially have our own merch that we're getting ready to put out make sure to go cop yours link is in the description below these proceeds help us produce this podcast bring on a-list guests and these proceeds also help penn state nil as a whole go get yours and tag us on social media we'll give you a shout out on the pod looking forward to seeing you wearing the lion's den merch exclusively uh, you good you good you right ready you're right i'm ready oh, all right. All right. All right. Jerry, you're bringing us in, what's bro? up y'all welcome back to another episode of the lion's den podcast this time we're atlanta with my guy olu co-host nick Dawkins and nia hawkins let's get it oh yeah let's get it absolutely how, how has atlanta been treating y'all man it's been good a week oh uh, i mean Bowl trip, like, you don't really get to fully see the city because, like, it's still a business trip at the end of the day. Like, we're still here to play in the Peach Bowl. But we did, uh, today, we, we were able to go to uh, Lennox, like, the mall and everything like that. And we got to see uh, the MLK Center. That was pretty cool. Um, but, I mean, we didn't really, we don't get to really embrace the idea of, like, hot Atlanta and all that stuff. Hotland. I mean, what would you be embracing that you didn't get to embrace this week? Nothing I would probably do by myself either. Like, I don't think there's anything here that I, like, I don't. I don't know, probably no. more food, maybe, probably something like that, which I don't need more of. Yeah, probably that's it. Yeah. I don't know, Jerry? Yeah, I'd say for me, just food. I haven't really got a chance to go see about the food here. I went to one, this one place, ST Kessel Steakhouse, so it was pretty good. But other than that, that's really all I've been able to do. And oh, anything fun this week? Uh, I mean, nothing really. I mean, aside from our little... No, little thing with STK yeah. and us like not being able to get a spot to eat there, but yeah, that that's been the issue with with Atlanta and my guy Keith Lee, man, shout out to Keith Lee. Probably yeah. not gonna watch this. Shout out to Keith Lee. The, the food review on TikTok, man. Oh, okay. yeah. So okay. like he had he had beef with Atlanta about you know the food reviews and everything like that. And then we placed a reservation at eight thirty to get in there on Christmas Day. Okay, so yeah, it took you know, me a, it took not, me an hour to get in, get in, get in, uh, yeah. An hour get reservation, I get there to nine forty-five. Did you had the reservation going yes, into it? The reservation was booked. Yeah. The reservation was booked at eight thirty. We got there at eight fifteen. Hey, just you know, we're a little early. They say no problem. Fifteen minutes thirty behind. Said fifteen thirty is a very like large gauge. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, hour and a half later, we're still waiting. People are walking in, getting in. We're like, all right, we didn't take our talent somewhere else. Took our talents to DoorDash. Called it a night. Wrapped it up on Christmas. Yeah, not the best one. No, I'll tell you what. We stopped by the team hotel today. Been mm-hmm. to a lot of hotels. Have not seen one 
that ridiculous. I'm talking about straight up. It was like almost trippy looking straight up at that ceiling in there. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. Yeah. Man, I swear too big. Well, yeah, I'm too not big. a fan of heights, man. Yeah. Crazy. Speaking of heights, you guys had a scenario with the with the elevator this week. Can we yeah, get into yeah. that a little bit? What happened there? It was Olu. Yeah. I mean, it was me and Jerry. It was me, Jerry, and about like six other of our teammates. We all got into the elevator, you know, pressed the floor to go get on it. And it just closed and nothing was working. The open button didn't work. The close button didn't work. Nothing worked. And we were just stuck in there for 30 minutes. You know, started getting hot in there. Windows foggy. Windows foggy, getting steamy. I took my shirt off. I'm not going to lie. You took your shirt off in there. That's how long you were in there. Yeah, Yeah, it's not good. They had to call a fire. Firefighter, prop open the door and get us out. So that was terrible. Terrible experience. You were having a great time with it. Posting it all over the place. Yeah, man. You know, it, yeah, I think, wow. uh, you know, some people say other people's pain is other people's laughter. And, um, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't that funny. Um, but because they got out, they got out good. It was all good and everything like that. But if they didn't, you know, maybe it would have been a problem if I would have posted it. <laughs> <laughs> would you say, would you say I feel like in situations it? like that, in situations like that, you know, everybody can talk about who they are when their back's against the wall. I fight. You saw in real action what happens when it gets when the going gets tough. Mm-hmm. Guys are folding that elevator. I'll be honest, like like Jerry and I were pretty calm. It was like golden. Yeah. Like, like you can't be in a crisis situation with <laughs> that guy. With no. like, that guy, like, he will fold. At least in that situation, you know. I, you know, if it was any serious, well, maybe he'd grow up. But like, okay, maybe he'll aside, grow up. aside from that, like. He, you know, it's not his best performance, but you know. yeah. So, what does it look like when Golden gets to tripping in the elevator? I can't even, I can't even like describe it. I mean, like, for instance, like we're trapped in an elevator, closed space, and everything. Obviously, like if you're talking, like the air is going to get hotter. So I kept telling everyone, like, stop talking. And Golden would not, not stop up. talking. Like he was just, he was in crisis mode. So, he started like, jumping around at some point. Yeah. Jumping around. He was yeah. jumping around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bro, Golden, Golden was jumping around, around, yelling, screaming for help and stuff. Right <laughs> I'm like, yo, I said, Golden, you gotta relax. Mm-hmm. And they just made everything hotter. That's like, the windows are so wet that they started dripping sweat. Like the windows were sweat. I was yeah. like, bro. And that's a PSA for Golden Chumba if you're watching this, man. Maintain your composure. Lock in, Golden. Remember your training. We always talk about it. Trust your training. You don't rise to the level of occasion. You sink down to your training. Lock in. When a going gets tough, who are you? It was revealed. You've given like six quotes in 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> work right there. I'm not going to lie. I, I want to get right into your career, Olu. You're a special case to me because I was there where you came in as a young guy. Uh, obviously, you were very impressive from day one. But you were a young guy. And I got an anecdotal story here. And I thought about this as I was preparing for this podcast. You may not know this, but you and another buddy, Landon Tangwall, who, for those back home watching, would have been an NFL guy if he continued to play football and was healthy. You guys double teamed me one day on a Wednesday. You guys Mm. came in, checked into the practice as 18-year-old freshmen. Walked onto the field, saw me in a three technique, and both started laughing. It was. They start laughing. I'm 22. Okay, I'm frustrated. I'm like, yo, I don't know who these kids are playing with, but I'm about to make real orange juice out these kids. They double team me. When I tell you, you guys took me 11 yards, laughing the whole time, and then stopped. I jog in the sideline. I slammed my helmet three times. <laughs> so much so that Journey Brown has to come over and console me and tell me it's going to be okay. I knew that day that I was done playing football at the end of the season. You and Landon Tangwell did that. Listen, like, I, 
honestly, I do not remember it going like that. You know, I don't remember visibly looking at you and like the side of you brought me to laughter. I like, I don't, I You're just, literally I doing what you did to me <laughs> as we speak, by the way. Listen, but if that happened, emphasis on if, you know, I, I apologize. Whatever. But again, I don't, I, don't, I don't remember it happening like that. Yeah, at, at 22 years old, yeah. um, when you, when that, when that happens to you, do you still view yourself as a leader in the locker room? Like, what no. do you think? Nah, that, that was the thing. That's why yeah. I started slamming the helmet. I'm like, how many people just saw these 12 year olds manhandle me on this field? This yeah. is before Olu Fashion was Olu Fashion. So I found out actually early, I feel like. I feel like I was one of the first people to figure out, okay, Olu's got a bright future here as a tackle. He can do some good things, man. Because also, he drove you 11 yards. What do you say? Because you, he drove you 11 yards. Yeah, no, I knew right then and there. I mean, it was one of those things where it was like, I don't even have, uh, I'm not even close to enough juice to yeah. compete with these kids right now. And they don't even know anything about football yet. They're kids. They just got here. I see two issues with that. One, man. I, there are way too many stories of you, you know, acknowledging people's greatness by defeating <laughs> you. So <laughs> well, let's talk about that. That's no, hold on. The, the second, the second part is if the criteria for being an All-American is driving you 11 yards, <laughs> then we gotta, there, there would be a lot more All-Americans coming out. That's crazy. That's crazy. 11 yards. Would you be an All-American? Probably not. I would probably got you eight yards. Yeah, <laughs> maybe seven and a half. Got you. I'll give you seven and a half. I'll be ten for that, though. Probably. I'll be ten for <laughs> sure. <laughs> that. No doubt. Yeah, like I said, I mean, you bring up a good point. I felt like at the end of my career, Franklin would get a talented young guy. And if they wanted to find out if they were close to ready to play, they just throw them in line that was me. If they lost or even came close to losing, oh, they were getting red shirt treatment. That's what it was. That's <laughs> what do you mean the end of your career? What's up, everybody? If you are a college football fan like me, if you know a college football fan that's in your life, you need to go cop this shirt. New designs dropping all the time. It's the perfect gift with the holiday season coming around. If you don't have this thing, you're missing out. Great material, great fabric. I wear it all the time. Go get yours today. Like the end. Like I was 30 years old doing Lions Den. Are you sure that's not maybe the duration of... The career, man. <laughs> okay, let's yeah. Sorry yeah. about that. Anyway, Olu, let's get to the let's get to the, the bread and butter. Um, coming to Penn State, obviously come out of Gonzaga, powerhouse play with Caleb Williams um, and everything like that. What brought you here? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, coming to Penn State, it was really just a decision between obviously Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, and mm-hmm. the thing that um, that Penn State separated themselves from the other two is that. You know, location-wise, um, you know, it's only like three and a half hours from my house. And, um, you know, every time I visited Penn State, it was always a good time. You know, Coach Franklin and the staff always, you know, made sure that, you know, my family and I were, like, treated well and all that. And um, also academics, you know, I just thought it was a place where, you know, I could really succeed in academics. And I read about Penn State's supply chain program, and it was something that, like, really interested interest me. So it was really just those three things. So coming out of high school, you knew, like, supply chain was the route you wanted to take. You had a plan for how you wanted to approach it. Yeah, so, like, it, originally it was supply chain. Then when I got to Penn State, I decided to do cybersecurity okay. for a year, and I took a bunch of, like, coding, like, um, like intro-level coding classes, and then I realized it wasn't for me. So then I took a intro to supply chain class. Then, like, that's when I was, like, really sure. I was like, okay, like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. So talk to us about your, just your journey or so far. Just I hear a lot as a young guy, you, you know, you have a different, you know, this journey. So talk to us about that. Yeah, I mean, uh, my journey is definitely, uh, it's definitely been a long four years. Um, you know, obviously, like my freshman year, well, me and Doc, you know, we were going to war every day. Mm-hmm. You know, being in the D squad against uh, call it what it is. 
Huh? Call it what it is. A hey, dirty show. A dirty, dirty show, show man. man. Like, I like to think that, you know, we're we're dirty show survivors. You know, guys, I made it out. <laughs> Sorry. But, yeah, I mean, that experience in itself was uh, was definitely something that I needed. You know, at the time, it, it definitely sucked. But, um, you know, going against guys who are in the league right now, like Jason Owe, um, Shaka Tony and uh, PJ Mustafer and guys that are about to go to the league like Devon, Devon Elise, Hakeem Beeman, Adisa Isaac, you know, going against them. I mean, it definitely helped a lot with my development and like looking at it now, like it was something that I really needed. So. Mm-hmm. Looking back to Gonzaga, I mean, you brought up a point that I think we got to stop and slow down for. You were Caleb Williams left tackle at Gonzaga. He's going to be a first-round pick. Everybody's saying, you're going to be a first-round pick. And you guys played together way back when, before any of that really was even a thought. Can you give us any stories about you and Caleb playing together? What was that experience like? And did you guys have an understanding in high school that you could take it to that next level? And if not, when did you guys realize that? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, with Caleb, like, everyone kind of knew in that area that, like, he was kind of, like, the chosen one, like he was, there's, there's never really been like a quarterback like him, like at least in our area that could, you know, be just as effective, you know, on the ground than he is like in the air. So like everyone kind of knew that, you know, like he was that guy. And I'd say like football wise, you know, like a moment that I realized that like he was like the real deal was definitely um, my senior year. Well, first my junior year, like my championship, uh, our championship game, my junior year conference championship, we played um, another powerhouse, uh, Damatha Catholic, and we were down 20 nothing in the first quarter. Then, like, Caleb basically, you know, clawed us back all the way. Like, I think he was responsible for, like, like seven touchdowns by himself, you know, all, all through the ground on the air. He even caught one. And, like, mm-hmm. after that game, I was like, yeah, this, this kid is, like, He's the truth. Then, like, later on, the next year after, I don't know, we played DeMatha again, and um, again, the next season. And there was this one play where, you know, it was a, it was a pass play. Uh, we're blocking for a while. And, like, I'm blocking my guy, and, like, he's kind of, like, um, like, moving upfield a lot. And I'm like, like, where's Caleb at? And I'm, like, looking around. I don't see Caleb anywhere. I turn around towards the field, and he's just darting, you know, like, evaded like eight guys all the way for like a 90 yard touchdown and I was just like all right yeah like this this kid's the truth so there's some guys in high school where you know immediately another guy I could think of that was like that I mean in my class Micah Parsons coming out of high school was like there was no doubt what he was about to turn into so that's cool to hear I guess I want to ask you next like you know obviously again two kids that are probably going to go in the first round is that something that you two have discussed, like that moment where you guys both make it there? Is that something that's going to be special for you guys? What's that look like? Yeah, I mean, we, we talk about it from time to time. Like, uh, we check up on each other probably, like, you know, like once every couple few weeks, just, you know, checking in on each other. And, you know, we, we've definitely talked about it a little bit. But um, honestly, like, I'm, I'm not, like, really too worried about that right now. But yeah. it's, it is definitely, like, something cool to, you know, look at. Sure. Yeah, I mean, your guy obviously like I have tons of respect for you. Like, we came in together, and, you know, like feels like we like built up this culture in the offensive line room. And obviously, you come in, you bring your lunch pill every day, and put the work in that other people are willing to work, um, willing to do. I mean, and it shows. But you know, did you foresee all this happening? Like, I know it's tough. Like people always ask, um, or like ask like me or ask, 
you know, people around you instead of asking you directly, like, did you all know, like, oh, it's going to be like this? And, like, I guess the easiest thing is, like, no, but it doesn't surprise us because right. of your work ethic and everything. So did you foresee, like, everything that's going on with your life now happening? No, absolutely not. I mean, when I came, when I came to Penn State, like, I didn't really know, like, how it was going to go, but, like, like my only my only mentality at that point, you know, as a freshman, I, like I just knew that like the only absolute was that I was going to graduate. You know, mm. like I wasn't really like too concerned that much about like how my future in football was going to be. But, you know, as time went on and, you know, after my first game that I started in the Outback Bowl, you know, I played I played like decently in that game. And like I knew, I was like, okay, if I keep working, if I keep doing the things I'm supposed to do, then, you know, maybe there's a shot at this, you know, NFL thing. So. Yeah. And what's your advice to like young offensive linemen? I guess just young players in general mm-hmm. who, you know, maybe they're down themselves that they come in, like they're not getting the results that they want. You know, how do, how do they stay the course? How do they stay the process like how you did? Yeah, I mean, it's all it's all just about, you know, discipline, you know, being the same person day in and day out and, you know, never faltering, you know, no matter what's happened. I mean, as I said earlier, you know, I've been at the lowest of the lows, you know, redshirt um, as a freshman on the developmental squad, you know, having to do all them 6 a.m. lifts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think at that time, the biggest thing that, you know, really pulled me through it was y'all, you know, just all of us, you know, going through that struggle together. And I think when you look at it and you realize that, you know, we're all going through it together, you know, kind of makes you stronger and it makes you, you know, makes you able to, you know, go through these struggles, you know, get through all the bad days. You said that when you got to Penn State, the one thing you knew was you were going to leave with a degree. You were going to graduate. I remember last year, around this time, there was a lot of speculation that you go to the NFL draft. You had a projected first-round grade last year. My question to you is, was there even any consideration to leave, knowing your background, knowing that your parents were serious about your academics, you were serious about your academics? What did that look like? Yeah, I mean, like, to make a long story short like there there wasn't like I didn't really think about it too much like it didn't it wasn't that much of a conversation I mean I've I've always known that you know since I was a freshman like I was always going to be in four years and four years and done so when the conversations of you know myself leaving after three years came about like I talked to my parents about it and like we all kind of knew that I was going to come back for another year anyways obviously like there's always going to be a risk of injury and, you know, no matter whether I stay for another year or not, you know, that risk is always going to be there. But I knew that, you know, I wanted to do it right, you know, get it done in four. So. Yeah. Man, he's not joking either because I remember, like, I feel like nobody thinks about their future more than a guy who just had a bad practice. <laughs> like, after a bad practice, you're sitting there, like, cutting the tape off your ankles. Like, what am I going to do when football's done? Like, what if this ends now? Like, am I mad? Am I happy? Like, what's what am I going to do? And we were sitting there. We had just got done going to war, probably just did, like, 24 straight reps in a row of a dirty show. And we're, there's, like, our eyes are bloodshot. Morale is low. The troops are injured. We're all just looking at each other, like, what, what have we become? And, we're like, he said, like, you know, four years, whatever happens, happens. You know, like, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And I'm, like, four. Yeah, I'm, like, four, maybe five. Like, I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen. But it's crazy. Like, it, that's exactly what we were talking about. He's, like, mm-hmm. four, mm, whatever happens. And it's, like, I think also, like, you get guys that you start having those conversations. And some guys are, like, 
I'm done now. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, guys don't come back after winter right. break. And they're like, yeah, they took that conversation to heart. No so, doubt. No doubt. Mm-hmm. So I'll ask you then. I mean, you bring up a good point. You know, when you, you talk about doing four years and knowing you're going to do four years, I know a lot of guys who struggle with the identity of just being a football player. And that can affect any athlete, whether you come from the suburbs, you got a bunch of money, or you played football, or whatever it may be. A lot of guys struggle with it. Do you feel like you have always seen yourself as more than a football player and a guy who wanted to get his education, had other interests? Or do you feel like that's something you learned with time as you continue to mature? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see where, you know, that struggle can come from with, you know, being labeled as just a football player. I mean, the amount of hours that we put in yeah. at Penn State, you know, like 40 hours plus a week, you know, I mean, it's pretty hard to not just imagine yourself as just a football player, but... um at least with myself, you know, I've always, I've always known that, you know, in reality, you know, one day football is going to end and, um, you know, you still need to do something else in your life aside from football. So that's where that, you know, that degree part came in. And, you know, luckily Penn State had a great supply chain program. And that's something that, you know, whenever um, my time to stop playing football ends, you know, that's an area that I want to go into. And Jay, what about you? Man, for me, it's just like he said, we spend so much time on football that you know, he's talking about sometimes you kind of forget, like, I am more than an athlete. So for me, I just try, I use my clothing line, designing clothes in my free time, just trying to get involved in new things. Like, I talk to my mom about real estate all the time because that's something I do eventually want to get into. So I just try to find more things that I'm talented and I'm good at that's outside of football because one day football is going to be done, you know. So yeah. I want to make sure that I'm straight regardless of with football or without it, you know. Yeah. And to the young guys who are getting ready to go into college football or maybe are already in it, you know, one thing you got to understand coming into it with the structure of the work from the hours in the weight room, the class, the study hall, whatever it may be, if you're not intentional with being more than a football player, then the system itself is going to make you just a football player. Mm-hmm. And they're going to force you into just identifying as a football player. So you have to have a plan. And if you don't have a plan, once you realize what's going on, you got to develop one like you did starting the clothing line. And I think something like NIL has made it easier for guys to do other things and start thinking of themselves as more than just athletes. What's something that you do, uh, enjoy doing outside of football? Like, you know, when you're not Olu Fashana, the, the, the best offensive tackle, what are you doing outside of football? I mean, I'm a, you know, at, heart, at heart, I'm a homebody, you know? Yeah. So, like, whenever, <laughs> whenever I have free time, like, I'm really just chilling with the guys, you know, chilling with my roommates. I mean, thankfully, uh, all my other roommates, uh, Golden, you know, Tyler Warren, mm-hmm. Tyler Duzanski, like, they're all generally homebodies, too. So, you know, the little free time that we have, you know, we just, we spend with each other and just, you know, chill out. Probably just go to, like, Sheets, get yeah. some food or something like that. But, oh, hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> We live right next to a sheet. Nah, stop. You're, living it. You're eating the sheets? You're a sheets guy? Yeah, I'm a sheets guy. I'm a sheets I mean, guy I'm a, myself. There's I'm no a, judgment. I'm a Wawa guy because I live, like, at okay. like in Maryland, I live right next to a Wawa. So okay, like, I'll tell you what Wawa even is. I don't even know what that is. So, uh, go ahead, yeah. I mean, it's plain simple. It's sheets, but better. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's, you know, it's, it's like a higher quality sheets. Have you had Wawa, Doc? Yeah, I look, there's like four Wawa's yeah, in right. yeah. So, yeah, and I'll deal with y'all, by the way, man. Yeah, Wawa. my DMs, please. <laughs> <laughs> please. No, no, please. Like, three times, man, I put y'all on my story. I tweeted at you, like, please respond to my DMs. I'm not playing. I eat. Every time I go home, I always get a chicken tender sub with lettuce and extra mayonnaise. So, be out there. That's all. I'll tell you what. I, I was a Sheets guy. And no shade to Sheets. I just moved literally right next door to a Wawa. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, at least three times a week, I'm getting a meatball marinara from there. They're cheap, they're easy, they're fresh, they're hot. Wawa, 
get Dawk a deal and I'll steal his money and I'll go back to him. Oh, <laughs> I'll come back to him. I think we do that. I'm glad his documented his proof that he just said that. And I will say, you've been getting to me by Marinara a lot. He's starting to look like one a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. Young Dawk with the jokes as always. Olu said a good point though. Um, you know, he, he said, um, you know, he's naturally a homebody and, um, you know, when he gets free time, he likes to spend it with his guys or just doing nothing. I mean, the, the high schoolers out there right now that, you know, they want to be in his position, I want to be Division One. I, I want to, you know, just strive your goals. Man, enjoy doing nothing from time to time, especially if you get to this level. Man, no, much some of our best real. times are doing nothing, yeah. literally. Just being at the house, hanging out with the guys, going out to eat like we always allude to, going to get something to eat with the guys and everything. And enjoy doing nothing. Like, I remember in high school having, like, a day where I literally did not probably leave my room. And that was probably one of the best days ever. And that now, thinking back on it, it still is the best day ever. Because now, every day, you get told where to be at, what to be wearing, how to do it, what you should be doing, when to speak, when not to speak, when you can use the restroom, all that stuff, man. Like, you have to, like, you, you have to love this. But what we do now, you have to love the process, love the game, or... Love what the game can do for you. Yeah. That's how it gets broken down. Like mm-hmm. that's why some guys falter. Some guys don't, you know, persevere in the sport. Yeah. Is because they don't love the game or they don't love the process. Really, that, that's my like me. I love the process. I love grinding. Like I love the idea. Like it almost feel nothing if I don't have purpose. It gives me purpose. Like working hard for something. And you know, some guys, the guys that love what the game can do for you, and that's all they love about it. That tends to show in, in later on when they're trying to get to what they're trying to get to. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. And even if you, I mean, for whatever reason you love the game, I, Bryce Effner actually described college football this way, and I thought it was a great way to do it. College football, if you love the game and it's your favorite thing about your life is playing football, playing college football is like if your mom were to make your favorite meal and then make it every day for six to seven hours. That's all you're eating. So, you know, we talk about doing things outside of football and having hobbies and having interests outside of it. It's important to do it because at some point, football is going to go from just being something you're passionate about to a job. To, to a work. Job. To a job. Exactly. And then I say, also, just spending time with your family, don't take that for granted either because, mm-hmm. yeah. man, you rarely get to go home when you playing college really? football. That's mm-hmm. something that hit me when I got here because I never got asked Coach Franklin like when we get to go home, he says, not for a while. And he said, when we do go home, it's only a week off. Yep. So really cherish your time with your family because you don't get a lot of it when you get to the level. Olu, I want to ask you, I feel like a, a big trend with football players, especially at a school like Penn State, you know, you come in a boy in a lot of ways, and then on the way out, especially if you spent some significant time, you leave a man. There's a lot of lessons in those few years you're in a college football program. So I'll ask you if you could point to one or two things that you learned and that forced you to grow into the man that you are today while at Penn State, what would those things be? I mean, I would definitely say that at least, like, the biggest, the biggest like, lesson that I learned, and this, this happened, like, my first ever spring ball, um, my freshman year going into my sophomore year, was uh, definitely to find your why. And, I mean, I know it's, like, super cliche, everyone says it, but, I mean, that's something that's, like, that really resonates with me. I remember my, that first spring ball was, you know, really tough. Um, it was like a really rough time during my life. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't doing well mentally, physically, emotionally, and you know, I wasn't really taking business, taking care of business on the field. And um, 
because during that time it was COVID, um, my class was put in the Greenberg law, locker rooms. So um, <laughs> the Greenberg Greenberg locker room. What is it? Uh, <laughs> you don't even know. Yeah, man. you don't even know. You don't want to know. No, you don't. That's a just, blessing. Yeah, Science just, labs. Yeah, they connected to the university. Like apart from uh, the Morgan Academic Center, mm. they had like science labs up there that mm. they used to do stuff in. And they uh, had it for COVID, like spacing wise, they had us in the science labs. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, but um, during that time, again, like I, I just wasn't doing well, you know, mentally. And at that time, you know, I started to lose, like, you know, motivation to like really go out and get better every single day. And, um, you know, it was really because of that time in the locker rooms, you know, with, you know, all my guys, you know, we all brought each other up. You know, it was a tough time with spring ball and COVID all going on at the same time. And again, we just used that time to really embrace each other, you know, lift each other up, you know, make each other laugh. And it was at that time when, like, I really uh, understood that, you know, the guys in that room and alongside with the other, with the rest of the team, you know, they were, they were part of my why. You know, these are guys that I'm going to war with every day. You know, we all go through the same struggles. So... I feel like I'd be doing them a disservice if I didn't go out every day and, you know, try to get them better along with myself. Then also another, another um, like why for me was my parents, because, you know, during that time, you know, I didn't tell them that I wasn't doing that well, you know, emotionally and mentally, but, you know, they could just tell. I mean, obviously I'm their son, like they could tell by the sound of my voice if I'm not doing well or not. And they were during that aspect of my life, you know, they were really important to me, you know, in terms of just, you know, keeping keeping my spirits up, you know, checking up on me on the daily. And, you know, at that point, I realized that, again, like they're part of my why, you know, my parents, um, you know, came came from a different country, you know, born and raised in Nigeria, moved over here, you know, gave up so many different things for to give my sister and I a better life. So, you know, same thing with my teammates. I felt that I'd be doing them a disservice if I didn't go out every day and, you know, give them my all. Yeah. And to add on a little bit to what you were asking him, man, I think the biggest thing that I've seen in, in Olu is, um, I mean, we, we kind of had this conversation a little bit, was like understanding the difference between discipline and motivation. Mm-hmm. And he, he alluded to it a little bit before, like lack of motivation and stuff like that. And I think we all had kind of had that realization when we were talking about it. It's like, it has to get done either way. Like, no matter who's there, someone's going to have to get the job done. Why not? It'd be us. So understanding that, like, key fundamental difference is you're not going to be motivated to do things. You're not going to want to do most of the things that we have to do, but you have to do it. And understanding that you have to do it and it's not going to change. And nobody else is going to do it. No one's going to come help you or save you change a lot of our like philosophies on how we attack football for sure what's up everybody if you are a college football fan like me if you know a college football fan that's in your life you need to go cop this shirt new designs dropping all the time it's the perfect gift with the holiday season coming around if you don't have this thing you're missing out great material great fabric i wear it all the time go get yours today discipline will take you places that motivation can't go quote guy now plug Plug in man i want to ask you you know Leaving Penn State, you know, we'll get into your relationship with Coach Franklin and how you ended up here and all those things. You know, what would your recruiting pitch be to a kid who maybe is in a similar situation? He's got all these options to go to school. What would you tell a kid who's considering to to come to Penn State after your experience? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, you know, this is the only school I've been at, so I can't really, you know, compare it to other schools. But for me, you know, Penn State's been a place where, you know, I've been – looked after for these last four years. It's been a place where, 
you know, whenever I need any sort of help, whether it's academically or on the field, you know, they're, they're guys my age, as in my teammates and guys way older than me, you know, coaches, support staff will always be there for you. So, I mean, if you want to go to a place where, you know, you're genuinely looked after and a place that gives you an opportunity to succeed both on and off the field, I mean, Penn State's the place. Yeah, no doubt. I tell people all the time, you know, obviously we had different careers. You're going to be a top 10 pick. I was top 10 all the time on the Penn State scout team, right? So I never panned out as a player. That's crazy. But it's crazy, That's but it's crazy. real. My point is I didn't pan out as a player, and there were a lot of places I could have gone. But when my athletic career went off the rails, there was never a single point in time where Coach Franklin, anybody on the staff or in the Penn State football program, period, excluded me or didn't help me continue to elevate and do other things. And that's one of the things about Penn State that is special to me. It's truly family, especially if you're a kid who will come in, you'll work hard, you'll treat people the right way and handle your business. They'll take care of you the same way. Mm-hmm. Are you putting yourself top 10 D squad? All time? Yeah. Who you got? Who you well, got nine This more? is the thing. Like, you're, you're on that list mm-hmm. because of the duration of time that you no, were No, no, Cap. Yeah, like, Cap. that's like, Cap. like, I was, Cap. I was like, like putting honest. Shane Battier yeah. on a list. Yeah. Shane Battier? You're the Shane Battier. I'm not the Shane Battier. Yeah. If anything, Absolutely. I'm Udonis Haslam. Tough guy, going to nah, show up and go to work. Because he he's too no, active no, in this program, no, like, a lot. That's crazy. Was that top 10, like, due to, like, Ability or like inability, yeah, right? right. That, well, that I mean, to some time. degree, inability if you're down there, right? For as long as I was, but at the same time, you know, the the raw, the raw grit and sneaky athleticism that would show up every now and then. Right, I mean, I'm not whoa, a two time right, D squad player of the year for nothing. It's right, not, right. it's <laughs> not for nothing. Well, the thing is, like, some of those guys that like get those awards, like, okay, they came in from the bottom. Right. Like there's you some came other, in from the top. There's some, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, sneaky athleticism is like you didn't expect it. Like you were like the highest rated guy in your class That's coming cap. in. That's like right. you were like one of the top guys. Like weren't you like the number one D tackle in Ohio? I was. Okay. I so was. like what's sneaky about that athleticism? That's like expected. So Ozu, I wanna ask you. <laughs> I wanna ask you. There are a lot of guys, you know. I did it. A lot of guys I played with did it. Doc, you do it. Okay. Where you study an NFL guy at your position. And you're watching their tape, and you're, you know, obviously learning from them and taking notes from them. Are there any tackles at the next level that as a young player you try to model your game after or learn from? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, every every tackle has to say Trent Williams. I mean, that's, Trent, that's, right? the, that's the prototype. But to be honest, I don't watch too much of his film because he he's he's an anomaly. I mean, right. the stuff he does, I mean, like literally no one else can really pull off. So I don't, I kind of just watch him for like entertainment. Like I don't mm-hmm. really try to take anything from his game because that, that just be a, a false cause, a bad cause. Right. But um, aside from him, I mean, guys like uh, Andrew Thomas, uh, Penny Sewell, uh, Lane Johnson, I watch all those guys all the time. And, you know, I try to not really like replicate it in my game, but I just try to like take, you know, little things that I see on on the field and like try to put it into what I do. Yeah. Real quick on that. This will be my last story for the podcast. You talk about anomalies and watching guys who are just so different. Right. So I'm in the D-line room in 2019 and I'm sitting there and I'm watching Aaron Donald film. The only similarity, <laughs> but hear me. <laughs> the only similarity yeah, between myself and Aaron Donald. Your name starts with A. We our names start with A, and we're both under six two. Okay, that is the only thing. The D line coach Sean Spencer at the time walks in. 
He turns off the computer. <laughs> he says, you're wasting your time. You need to watch something else. That and walks crazy. back out. So, <laughs> talk about studying. He was right. I was watching him play, and I'm like, man, I can't do none of this. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing here. So he saved me some time. Cross, do you have a tight end? That you watched, where you uh, you feel like you can replicate some of those I things. Re- I really love looking at Darren Waller. Yeah. Similar type of game that he played. Um, also, George Kittle too. Like, I was yeah. Watching him just because he's he, like good at everything: blocking, catching, running routes, racks. For sure, like Darren Waller can be on the line too. Yeah, dog. Who's your bro? Marquise Pouncey, five three, Pittsburgh, tatted up, light skinned cat. Come on, man. Got to. You know I'm a big Marquise Pouncey. That guy really reignited my yeah. love for the game. That one day yeah. we were. Yeah, that's we no were. cap. That's no cap, dog. I remember coming down to the yards of Old State multiple times and seeing you watch Marquise Pouncey tape on the film. Visualize it, man. See yourself in them situations. I watch him play. I'm like, man, I can play like that. Like, I really yeah. can play like that. Like, he really is like, you know what I mean? And added, not just watching football tape and film. You even study the Lions Dead podcast. You've been watching. Yep. After yes, some episodes, he calls oh, me sorry. up. He lets me know You've his been thoughts. Checking it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 his thoughts. Right. Tell me your favorite right. episode. So, my favorite episode would have been, you know, with Tyler Warren, right? <laughs> but there's a little section in that podcast where, you know, he talks about growing out his hair and he failed to, you know, he, he essentially lied. He basically said that, you know, Liam and Bo were the two guys that told him to grow out his hair. Okay. But in reality, I told him to grow out his hair <laughs> his freshman year, our freshman year, and I've been telling him ever since wow. then to grow out his hair. Like, I think you'd look so much better if you just grew out your hair until he finally did it. But, you know, as you know, on the podcast, you know, he, wow. wanna, he wants to, you know, discredit me and, and say it was all <laughs> Liam and Bo. So just out of spite, my favorite podcast is actually with the Tyler Eldson, the, okay. the better Tyler. The better Tyler. We need a clip of that, yeah. too, please. You know, whoever's editing this, please, we need like a, you know, like a flashback mm-hmm. of like that episode of him saying yeah. that so we can yeah. have that consolidated evidence of that. It's, so. a shame that, it's a shame that Tyler Warren didn't give you the credit you yeah, deserve. That's crazy. And we'll certainly do some investigating into these claims. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's get back to Franklin. We brought it up. Obviously, did a great job. You developed fully. You're going to do all these amazing things. What is it about that relationship that helped you continue to get better as a player and grow as a man? Yeah, I mean, Franklin, I mean, he's someone, he's someone that just, you know, cares about all of his players. I mean, and that's something that I've definitely felt throughout my four years here. I mean, whenever... There was any time that, again, like I wasn't doing too well, uh, you know, mentally. And, you know, I, you know, I look kind of sad and like he'd see me. He'd always just like walk up to me, just like check up on me, like tell me like, yo, you good? And like, you know, I talked to him for a little bit. Then, you know, later on in the night, text me just like checking up on me. You know, whenever I've been out, um, you know, due to like other things, he's always checking up on me like, yo, like, how are you? Like. Like, how are you doing? And he's someone that not only cares about, you know, how you do on the field, but he also cares about how you do off the field as well. So I think that's what really makes Franklin special. Coach Franklin's important, but I know someone who's really important to you and to you, Jerry, Coach Earl. Come on, Coach Earl, man. A model of consistency at Penn State football, one of the unspoken heroes. Yes, sir. Man, a guy who just is so consistent and works and is so respected and loved by everybody that he impacts. Tell us about how Coach Rose has been, you know, important to your development mm-hmm. in the weight room, you know, athletically and everything like that. Like, what does he mean to you? Yeah, I mean, to put it simply, I mean, he's he's been like a second father to me. I mean, he he's a guy that, you know, truly cares about 
know every single person in that program and he he treats all of us like sons and mm -hmm. in you know in our good and bad and that I think that really that's what really makes him a father figure I mean he's the type of guy that he knows all of our potentials and if he sees any hints about us you know not reaching that potential you know he will not hesitate to you know tell you about it or talk to you about it and that's someone that I care a lot deeply and someone that no, I appreciate it really deeply as well. Mm -hmm. And Jerry? Yeah, man, Coach Rose, he always had a speech for you, too, so. <laughs> man, my lowest points, he had to help me. Like, you know, I had long talks with him in his office after practice. He always called to me, yeah. I'm just going to be saying, Jerry, every day, just stay consistent with your boy. Coach Rose is a big piece of our guidance, so I really respect you. Recruits understand this, too. When you're going through the recruiting process, you got to get mm -hmm. real The head coach is cool. Yep. He's cool. Get real close and really understand your position coach. And the strength, the strength staff, you will be with the strength staff for most of the year. College football's only played for a couple months, man. What are you doing for the rest of that time? Getting big, getting in the weight room, running, getting your body right. Get right with that strength staff. Get right with your position coach because you'll be spending most of your time with those guys, not your head coach. Yeah, yeah. and I feel like the coaches who are able to connect with their players and show that they care about them off of the field – are the ones that get the most out of them in the weight room or yeah. on the field. That's how you do it. You got to connect with these guys and let them know that you care about them. So Coach Earls has done that since day one, man. That's, yeah. that's really prime example of that. Last Penn State question that I have, you know, Drew Aller is a, is a young, hungry guy. He, he's learning quick. He's getting better and better game by game. How have you seen him grow throughout his short time at Penn State so far? Yeah, no, I mean, Drew's awesome. I mean, when Cliff left, you know, obviously everyone thought that there was going to be, you know, somewhat of a void there, you know, with him being, you know, Penn State's quarterback for as long as he had. And Drew took that role, like, seamlessly. You know, as a quarterback, you're kind of looked at as the, you know, primary offensive leader. And he's someone that, you know, stepped up um, both, you know, on the field and off the field. We all know Drew. We all know he's not the most talkative guy or the most loud guy in the room, but he understood the role he had and how important it was to the offense being a new starting quarterback. And I thought he did a great job this season. And, and the type of guy that Drew is, I mean, he's an extremely hungry guy, so he's only going to get better. So, I mean, the, the sky's the future for him. Yeah. Yeah, what about you? Have you seen any growth from Drew specifically? Absolutely, man. And I think what's even cool about Drew is people don't see is his emotion on the field. Like, you know, yeah, when we bro. get the timeouts, media timeouts or, you know, stoppages in play, hearing him, you know, getting the guys, getting rallying the troops, getting them ready. Like, he really plays with a lot of emotion and a lot of passion, which is that just natural ball, like natural football players, natural guys that, you know, love ball. Like that's where you get that real sense of passion out of them is in the heat of battle. Yep. And that's what you get out of Ohio high school football guys. Absolutely uh, not. Yeah, I would say he's a rare guy. I say he's a rare guy. Actually, I would even, you know what? I think you're absolutely correct. He just didn't get out of you. And that's what well, I'm saying. <laughs> Maybe you get out of Milwaukee football guys. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, Yeah, Milwaukee yes, football. You yes, think there's sir. a lot of a lot of passion that's played in that? In the suburbs, yes. In the where I played, no. No. Well, how was Why it? Was Elaborate it? on that. So you have a lack of passion yeah. where you're playing. <laughs> for me, like the suburban schools, they like they have all the resources. Okay. So when you go to a suburban school, they, they you know they are real fundamental coaches. You know they got everything they can do, so they can yeah. already come prepared, real physical, big big dudes. So for me, I'm in the city. I'm gonna get shows on. Oh. I used to okay. come to games, bro. Okay. Okay. Before no balls, before touchdowns. I had bro. I had, like, I had like nine touchdowns in the fourth game of the season. <laughs> <laughs> I was leading the state in touchdowns. 
And you, you would think that someone would maybe come with a defensive. Those suburban schools you were playing would have the coaches that had to come up with a game plan for that. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah, said, hey, we used to go play suburban schools. We played, I remember we played Kenosha Shepherd. They tried to bracket me the whole game. I ran like a goal. I had three routes that I ran the whole like every uh-huh. ball, post, slant, or like a 12 yard in. They tried to bracket me. I ran a goal ball. I still caught it. I brought it back to me in the game. I had like three touchdowns in the game. I couldn't be stopped by that school. So, okay, so hold on. <laughs> hold on. Bro, we're just running go ball. Bro, we're just running straight. Like, you gotta realize I was 6'5 in high school. Everybody was 5'8. So, I guess that's my question. How do we how do we get from talking about, you know, football in different areas and, and the type of guys that come out of there from a mentality standpoint <laughs> to you tell us about how many touchdowns you were scoring on the suburban no, kids? You know, it's like, it's like, Football, I can't control the competition, so I just dominate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's all we have. Humble beast, man. And, yeah, and humble, you know, uh, you say you're the chosen one out of Milwaukee, especially yeah, the inner city. Yeah. So, like, what nicknames are you being beamed in? Because, like, I feel Milwaukee, like every. Milwaukee, that, um, I was Barbecue Chicken. They called me that. I was called Barbecue Chicken on the court and on the field. Okay, now, now we're stretching it. I don't believe the court at all. You don't believe it? No. Who's called me Barbecue Chicken? Name two names right now. You said two names? Yeah. You don't know who they are. Bro. Okay, exactly. So, uh-huh. They came two guys I know that group they came to my game. And I yeah, they had two older brothers. And they just started yelling barbecue chicken. In elementary school. In like elementary like what like fifth, sixth grade, that's middle school, elementary. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, whatever, yeah, man. Yeah. Uh-huh. It shot with me in high school. I remember I'll never forget we played a rival game in high school against Riverside. So the gate like right by the track in the field, so I'm like I'm in the huddle right now. So you're saying from the other school, they were even calling you. They were deeming you barbecue chicken from the rivals. So you were that dominant that you had rivals giving you titles and nicknames, endearing nicknames. Yeah, it was weird because my cousin went to that school too, so I kind of knew one that. <laughs> oh, okay. School, but, yeah, I they what were they calling you? Ah. <sighs> Little Aaron Donald. That's no, what they call me. No, no, like, seriously. No, wait, for real though. <laughs> People just have always called me Hawk, bro. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name right. is Hawkins. It's very okay. easy. Now, if you're questioning right. what I was accomplishing in high school, I encourage you to go Google the huddle tape because we was getting the job done. Yeah. I don't know. The, the, the JV. The JV tape or the real that. varsity tape? Yeah, I was an all-state player on the varsity level, man. I'm okay. tired of clearing okay. up these allegations. <laughs> 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 they try it, bro. So Sorry. I played JV as a 15-year-old, <laughs> as a sophomore. Both the D tackles above me played football on scholarship in Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> I was just holding it down, waiting on them old heads to get out of there. And what did I do the next year? You know what I'm saying? Let's uh, kill the JV narrative, man. <laughs> Honestly, the JV team I played on had four hey. professional athletes on. So what are we talking about? We to beat most team, most kids' varsity teams. You know what I'm saying? So that's all I got to say on that. That's you know? the, hey, the fans, though, for real. Um, you know, we, we're allowed to make fun of his, you know, football career and such like that. But y'all really can't because you most of you never played at that level that Aeneas no. has practiced on it. Yeah. Back to you. <laughs> I'm these silly combos. Um, <laughs> that's good. That was your best work yet, actually. Um, oh my god. Heading into the NFL. Your time at Penn State wrapping up, right? Yeah. First of all, are you in your feels about leaving Penn State, a place that you've competed at, grown at for four years? Are you feeling the emotions as you head out of here? Uh, I mean, yeah, I I am. I mean, thinking about it now, uh, just thinking about, like, the last four years and, like, all that, you know, I've been through with, you know, 
all you guys, I mean, it is it is a little emotional. I know definitely when I graduated, I was I was feeling it a little bit because uh, after graduation, um, they opened up the fields and, you know, I just like took a little walk like around, you know, super cliche, but I just took a little walk around and I was just like, dang, like it's it's all coming to a close. Like this is really it. But um, yeah, I definitely, definitely did get definitely did get pretty emotional about it. Yeah, man. What's yeah. been your most memorable experience? Mm. Most memorable experience. At least from the bowl prep, like bowl bowl games. Like bowl what do you games. Think you, what's one thing you taken away from like our bowl games together? <laughs> I think you know what I'm about to say. You know them them uh, them cheesecake factory. Uh, uh, you know when we whenever we go to cheesecake factory, it's always a special time. You know that's a that's a place where you know the food is at the highest quality, but the selection is you know endless. So. You know, Those menus whenever, are thick. Yeah, mm-hmm. extremely. Yeah, man. Um, you know, every year I feel like the. The consistency with those trips is always me, Doc, and Golden. It's always a different crew whenever mm-hmm. we go. Elzen too. Yeah, and Elzen. Mm-hmm. It's always it's always us four, and we always go, and it's always a different crew every year. And that's, it sounds it sounds you know pretty you know normal, but that's definitely that, those are definitely the highlights. You know, whenever we get us four guys and like a different crew every year, and we always go to Cheesecake, have a good time. Fogo de Chao and Fogo. Oh man, you can't forget about Fogo, especially this year. In they Atlanta. got nervous in there. Yeah, no, I mean, when they saw all of us walk in, I mean, like like Doc said, like they were definitely they're definitely swung a little bit, but uh, you know, we definitely put down a nice little performance down there. So they stopped bringing the food around. Yeah, <laughs> we got to yeah. a point. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. how at, like Fogo, you know, when you want to stop, you know, you turn the little circle thing and you right. put it to red. Uh-huh. Like it kept us at green, and they they just stopped themselves. You know, they they, they made up. Right. Yeah, they made up their minds that we were done. So, I mean, <laughs> so yeah. running out of food, man. Yeah. They were about to put them out of business. Olu, you know, you're you're pretty widely regarded as the number one tackle coming out of this class. Um, there are a lot of things I feel like make you special as a player, but as you evaluate yourself and what you've been able to do at the college level, what can an NFL team that decides to take you expect from you as a player? And what is it that you bring to the table that makes you such an elite prospect? Yeah, I'd, I'd say uh, something that makes me different is uh, my preparation. Uh, you know, every, you know, Obviously, each week we play a different team, has different edge rushers, different D-line, and, you know, that's something I fully understand. So, you know, the entire week, um, I feel like I take a I take a pretty, like, detailed approach as in, like, how I'm going to prepare each week. You know, I make sure that uh, – or something that I learned from Coach Troutwine that I didn't really think to use until this year. You know, he talked about his time in the NFL and how he would always talk to – you know, the edge rushers on the scout team there and told them to work, you know, certain moves that, you know, he would think that he was going to see. And that was something I really started to do this year. I started to talk with um, some of the D squad uh, D linemen, tell them, tell them to do certain moves and, you know, at times, you know, try different, you know, different things like that. And that's something that definitely helped out my game this year. And, you know, just the amount of film that I watch, um, you know, watch anywhere from, you know, four to six hours of film a week, you know, on Monday, spend a couple hours watching it. Um, obviously watch it during the meetings and Thursday, Thursday is always a really big film day for myself, you know, right before Friday. And um, I think that's definitely something, you know, my preparation is like what sets me apart. Yeah.
Does, I, this is just curiosity. Does Trout still do the thing where the card will go up or they'll tell him what they got to do on the D squad? Yeah. And he then announces basically to the offensive line what's going to happen next. I'd be so frustrated. I line the three technique. I was supposed to jump to contain or whatever. And he'd be like, hey, Hawk. You got to get to contain, and you're just standing right there yeah, listening mm-hmm, to what I'm about to do. Mm-hmm, he still does that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I try not to play the drill, but I, I will be honest. When he tells the DN to slant inside, you know, I you know I keep that in the back of my head. You know, I try not to play it off too much, but you know, kind of just have to do what you got to do. Uh, it sucks being the less talented football player, <laughs> and then they also know you're playing before you even get going. That's a tough deal, bro. I'm telling you. Yeah, any, any any other questions for Olu here while we got him, man? Uh, no, I mean, I, I have him all the time. You don't. That's so fair. I, if I have a question, I'll ask him on <laughs> whatever I want, really. But uh, no, yeah. no, I think no, I think that about sums it up, man. Thank you for joining us. Sir, appreciate it. episode wrapping up, man. Live from Atlanta. Appreciate y'all watching. We'll be coming back with more content. Don't forget to buy the merch or Anise Hawkins. May contact you via phone or pigeon, whatever he, he deems as a probably necessary pigeon. term of message I can't delivery. Pay my Verizon bill this month, <laughs> so it'll be a pigeon probably. Thank you for checking in.